Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage, and I'm here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchin. Coach, how you doing over there? Hey, I'm pumped up today. I'm still pumped up from your presentation at the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association Clinic. And now we got Robert, who works for Sports Advantage, is doing an incredible job at Edgewood High School, and we're going to talk some more conjugates. So this is really exciting today. Well, before we get to Robert, Dino, um, you know, what a, what an amazing night of basketball the other night, you know, Final Four, I mean, women's Final Four, uh, you know, just just incredible weekend for basketball and and just a lot of excitement, things like that. But, you know, the the coaches clinic, what a great turnout. You, you know what I mean? So many great coaches there. Um, it's great to see a lot of people back together, intermingling, talking shop, Um it was great to be involved in present presenting there as a strength and conditioning coach, you know, and I think, you know, hopefully that, that turns some heads with some coaches and, and even, you know, talking with Mike Anderson from lacrosse, you know, his thought is that they should start adding more strength and conditioning to the clinic and even some more things on leadership and, and get away from just the X's and O's and start talking about some of the other things that really make a difference in, in being a championship program. And you guys over Kimberly know all about adding, and having all those other variables involved to be a champion. Yeah, it looked like there was some normalcy back, you know, with no mass and, and just a great turnout at the clinic. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you again because uh, Coach Megan and myself both had the opportunity to meet with a couple of people on your staff, you know, Coach Dankovich and, um, and Wesley Williams there at the Beaver Dam location, the Sports Advantage, and they're doing some incredible things. And I got to talk to some of those Beaver Dam coaches. We happen to be getting a little lunch right after you spoke at Dickie's barbecue and uh, the Beaver Dam football coaches were right behind me in line. And, you know, they're just super excited what Lucas has done and Wes has done to, to help their football program. And it was, it was much needed. And it was one of those situations where, you know, um, people bought in and they're seeing unbelievable results. And it was just great to have that conversation with them as we we're waiting in line to, to get some lunch. Well, I think the cool thing that, that, that we do as sports advantage our doors are open you know whether you're we're in one of the high schools or whether you're in one of our gyms our, our doors are always open to coaches you know we want to we want to make sure we help coaches and 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 educate you know on the things we do and and provide service maybe that that you're not able to provide at your high school absolutely and then when we were you know i was talking to you at your booth at the clinic you know coach strickland came up and he was on our podcast ben strickland and he's affiliated with the edgewood high school football program. And the same thing, Robert's name came up and, and what he has done for Edgewood High School with all the sports. I think a lot of times we think strength and conditioning and when we're at a football clinic, everybody thinks it's all about football, but we know what a good strength and conditioning program can do to the whole school culture. And, and that's why I'm excited to get Robert going here, coach. Yep, let's get Robert on here and get him going here. Robert, we're going to bring Robert Murdoch on. Robert's uh, one of our directors. He is our director at Edgewood High School. Um, he's been with us for a few years at Sports Advantage. So, Robert, are you there? Yeah. What's going on, guys? Awesome. Robert, why don't you give our listeners a quick background before we really dive into to some really heated questions here today? <laughs> yeah, heated. Uh, yeah, so as you guys introduced me, Robert Murdoch, uh, I've lived in Wisconsin pretty much my entire life outside of uh little blimp, I guess, uh, on the radar there, I guess my first real introduction to strength and conditioning was actually working on my family farm growing up. I mean, I remember as young as four and five, helping my grandparents who actively farmed into their sixties, picking stones, uh, out of the field. 
mean, hard work was kind of instilled at a super young age. I still remember the summer. I was probably like eight or nine and shoveling gravel with my dad in the middle of the summer and him telling me that I'm afraid to sweat as we're just like drenched there. So <laughs> just like doing hard manual labors kind of, you know, been hard instilled into my family from there. Uh, obviously we've talked about, uh, you had coach Fahey on a couple weeks ago with West side versus the world. I think the first real documentary I actually got exposed to was pumping iron with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, and that got me really entered, like really into the actual weightlifting portion. Right. So then from there it was like, man, I just got to get huge. Like, let's get big. Let's throw some more C's onto that thick. Like, <laughs> you know, let's get after it. So, you know, of course, being a young, uh, uneducated meathead, I, you know, lifted more like a bodybuilder growing up, which is what most of the training was back in the nineties. Uh, but during that time, I had a pretty successful competitive water skiing career, uh, on the side of going to school and working, won a state title, a couple national titles, uh, won some individual awards, was able to go be a part of Team USA and compete in China for a short time, and probably most importantly, uh, met my wife through there. So uh, that was obviously the biggest win. Attended UW-Whitewater for my education, uh, got a bachelor's in health and human performance there, uh, after which was able to intern down at FIU in Miami under coach Chad Smith, who's now actually uh, working with uh, coach Corella at Georgia Tech. They're actually uh, best friends that came up in the uh, strength and conditioning. So fun little connection there. Uh, while I was there, got exposure to some really great uh, leadership. They had a uh, summer camp for high schoolers down there in Miami and got to see Butch Davis, who is the head coach there, who's got two or three Super Bowl rings himself talk. Uh, Urban Meyer was there, who was coming off a national championship at Ohio State. And then, of course, Nick Saban with Alabama um, and getting to see those guys just like talk and their message to, you know, young high school athletes and like seeing that firsthand at the 50 yard line was awesome. Uh, from there, let's see, went to UW, Wisconsin, worked on the Olympic side, got to learn a lot under Jeff Zelke and Billy Brider and uh, Kevin Schultz uh, got exposure to a lot of great uh, sports coaches, including Kelly Sheffield, you know, learning a lot from just how to present yourself, how to interact, you know, obviously with a female population there, right, you're going to handle potential situations, uh, how different athletes are going to respond. I mean, he was an absolute tactician when it came to knowing and understanding what each one of his athletes needed. And I believe that was also uh, um, coach Davis's last year as the wrestling coach when I was there, you know, so like a lot of different exposure to um, different collegiate coaches that were highly successful, both as individuals and then as on a team level. Uh, and then after that, I got my first paid job with the Toronto Blue Jays and see, I got hired officially December 20th. And it was about January 6th. I was on a plane down to the Dominican Republic. I uh, worked uh, two years for them. I spent a year uh, working out of the Dominican Republic. They're in a national facility. And then a year um, in their uh, rookie ball, actually, in Bluefield, West Virginia, which was a town maybe 10 people larger than what I grew up in. Uh, so it very, felt very homely, you know, being back in Wisconsin. And then since then, been at Sports Advantage, obviously training at our gym in Verona in the last two years here at Edgewood, or going on two years here at Edgewood High School, trying to grow the prep program and just get kids stronger.
Robert, pretty crazy just listening to you do your intro there because I we were at the NHSSCA clinic and where Coach Bot also talked and you know Coach Mangan came down with with me at that clinic and I introduced Coach Mangan to you and you know he came from a big farm background too. His family had a farm and and just thinking of that. Now you talk about your water skiing and one of our coaches at Kimberly High School, he's helped me with the throws for many years and he was a big instrumental part in our Kimberly success in football. He was coaching D-line, Chris Biolo. He was big at Rhinelander with the water skiing show. So I'm sure after he listens to this episode, he's going to be big time asking some more questions about that. And then you talked about, you know, some connection with Chad Smith and Lewis Carella. And yeah. myself and Coach Mangan are both going down to his Georgia Tech strength conditioning clinic and leadership. And Inky Johnson and a lot of guys are going to be speaking down there as well. So um, talking about Dominican Republic, I was there once on a vacation. So I'm sure it's a whole different <laughs> experience of what you were. And I know Brian's been there as well. But give, just kind of elaborate on that experience and what it was like, you know, working one for the Toronto Blue Jays and two, obviously in a different country. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, not to state the obvious, but it's a little warmer all the time than Wisconsin. So was able to get a pretty uh, solid base tan right off the bat. But uh, in terms of similarities, like with the athletes you're working with, I would say it's very comparable to working with uh, middle schoolers or high schoolers. I mean, we had a small portion that they would do where they would have uh, like the American draftees come in and kind of spend time so they could get exposure to what the uh, you know, Latin draftees and Latin signees would go through in terms of living in the facility down there. So that was pretty cool. But I mean, that was all of two weeks out of the year, you know, we were there and it was a nine month season, but those kids, I like said, are pretty similar to high school and middle school. You know, they really don't have much, much exposure to uh, weight room setting. You know, most of the Latin population that we dealt with, I mean, it got explained to me and it was pretty prevalent right away there. Uh, thought of strength and conditioning was doing sit-ups and bicep curls and running distance you know so then really uh between myself there was one other strength coach who was from Venezuela Ember Alvarez uh our job was really like hey let's make sure you know these guys for this year have a quality squat pattern can deadlift or hinge properly could press and pull as they need to it was a lot of just let's make sure they have great foundational movement patterns because then obviously that's sets the president to build on and get him stronger and faster and more powerful. So it was a lot of the same, you know, that to what I'm doing now, um, obviously I had to uh, relearn how to speak Spanish and then obviously communicate, Oh, this is how you squat in Spanish. You know, like I could explain a squat easily in English, but my uh, Spanish was kind of lacking when I went down there. The only thing I really remembered from my high school uh, class was, can I go to the bathroom? And now that I was the adult, I really didn't have to ask permission. I just <laughs> go to the bathroom, you know? So that was, it was a lot of kind of learning on the fly. And, you know, Toronto, they had a uh, teacher that would come in once or twice a week. So, you know, our day would go through, we'd wake up. And I mean, I lived right there on the campus, you know, up above the cafeteria. So we'd wake up at about 5.30, go down to the locker room, uh, try and avoid any of the giant tarantulas, get changed quick, go eat breakfast, train some guys that I had to train that morning, uh, warm up everybody out on the field. We'd go through like an hour practice. Everybody would get a quick snack. And the nice thing is everybody in our division was in a like giant complex. So we just walked to our games. 
You know, like it was like, oh man, we got to play the White Sox today. Oh, well, we got to walk a quarter mile down the road. You know, so, and it was a tightly gated community. So each, this giant complex had our own complex in it. And the Orioles were in there, uh, the White Sox, the Reds, and there's one other team uh, that was in there. But I mean, we just walked to the game. You'd sit through a full nine plus innings, depending on how long it went, walk back. And then that second group of guys would train in the afternoon, eat lunch, Spanish class. And then you, know, you got four hours of yourself to train, study, read, nap, whatever it was. So it was a nice setup, but you know, it was a lot of long days out in the sun and drinking lots of water. Hey, before we get to the next question, I want to see Biola on skis, by the way. Unbelievable skier in his day. At least that's what he tells me. I want to see that. I, I, I want to see that. And I know he listens. So now, now he's been called out. I, I want to see that here this summer. Absolutely. Uh, Robert, so you, you were with us at Sports Advantage in Verona. Yeah. And, and now you're in the high school setting at Edgewood. So maybe explain, you know, some of the, the differences between, you know, the private sector and the school sector. But I think people think that it's completely different, but uh, maybe touch on some of the similarities that, that you've seen at both places too. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess I'll start with the differences. Um, like this is no knock on any high school kids. It's just the reality when uh, you are paying to go to a private facility, like nine times out of 10, like those kids are fully invested in, they are there, right? Obviously it's a smaller group of people in total, but they're, like, they're there for a reason, they're there to get better. You know, especially at uh, high school, whether it's a newly established program, you know, Dean, you might have it if kids transfer into Kimberly, Kimberly up there, but, you know, like if they don't come from a culture uh, that, you know, strength and conditioning is a part of it, you know, again, it's a new stimulus, like not everybody's going to be bought in. The goal of, or the challenge really is how do we get the team as a collective on the same page? You know that, you know, there's the... 10, 80, 10 rule, right? You got the 10% that like, they're going to be able to do anything. They will do anything. The 80% that they'll do what you ask. And then that 10% that is just kind of like, they're going to be resistant. They always will. There's, that, that's a life rule. It doesn't matter sports, strength and conditioning, you know, whatever it is. So it's how do we get that 80% better? Right. And they'll be able to pull up that bottom 10%, you know, but it's really just what can we do that's going to be the most effective uh, from an entry level, you know, for a budding program that came down to, you know, really basic principles that any successful programs built on like great communication between myself and the sports coaches, between myself and the athletes in terms of what the expectations are and then showing results. You know, the unfortunate thing that especially uh, new athletes struggle with is we know that the body takes time to adapt. You know, what we do today, you're not going to see the results for three to four weeks. So how do you keep kids invested for that long? Um, and then having standards, you know, that you're going to adhere to. There's one day we had a group in there that completely blew off the warm-up. Like, hey, if we're not going to do the warm-up, right? We're going to do it again. Their entire 30-minute lift was doing the warm-up four times in a row. They weren't too happy with me, but you know, explaining the importance of it. Their coach was there and watched the whole thing, watched me make them repeat it at the same time. And then it was a conversation. Listen, if we're not going to warm up properly, how are we going to be prepared to do the work properly? You know, do the work properly, then you're setting yourself up for injury. You know, if the best side effect of getting stronger is reducing injury, 
we're not going to do it right. We're only going to increase the chance of injury, right? It could be a snowball effect for good or bad. You know, so that was a big thing. And then, ooh, the other one that still gets talked about today, uh, it was over the heart of COVID, you know, it was probably it was right around Thanksgiving. I don't know if it was an end of year banquet or there was a storm coming, but we had about eight or 10 of the guys from the football team in last year. And, you know, they were doing really great after the off season, you know, and getting after it. But then they just decided they weren't going to clean up the weight room. And my biggest rule is like, I'm not your maid. I'm not your mom. Like I have a kid at home that I can clean up after every single day. Like I'm not cleaning up the weight room. You use the stuff. We can put it back. And they just all rushed out. They're like, no coach, we got to go. Like, so, so the next day they came in, we scratched the plan and we just did a really fun sled conditioning workout and they hated it. They were like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. And right away, we obviously know from sled workouts, like the best side about it, there's no eccentric loading. So they were completely fresh, ready to go the next day. But in the moment they thought like, Oh my God, my life is passing before my eyes. And it drove home the point. Since then, those are the guys that instill the change to, Hey, like this isn't put away. Right. Like, no, there needs to be one set of dumbbells on each side. Like let's, you know, they're the guys that are taking the time and now becoming leaders within the weight room for that next generation. It's like, well, yeah, they only had to learn once. You know, the best uh, teacher is failure. As long as you're willing to listen. Um, so that's the biggest differences. I mean, otherwise like reality, like the similarities, it's, um, we're going to train for what the athlete needs. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And we're going to train them the best we can with the equipment we have, right? If we don't have equipment, obviously we can't, I mean, we can sit there and complain, but I'm not really that big into complaining. I'm going to train the kids with what we have the best way we can. Um, so then it's just looking at like those holistic needs of what either a team or a group of athletes need. And the biggest thing when we got there was we just got to get strong, you know, or stronger. So, and that's how we did. We got really strong over that first year. Robert, one of the biggest questions I get being a strength and conditioning coach at the high school level from other coaches is, you know, how do you build that culture in the weight room? And, you know, how do you grow your athletic department strength and conditioning program? So um, you have done an unbelievable job at Edgewood in just a year and a half. So can you give our listeners some of the things that you've done to help grow this culture in the weight room. And obviously we're seeing the results in all the sports at Edgewood high school. Uh, yeah, I would say I keep it pretty simple, but that's with the caveat that simple doesn't mean easy. Right. The, uh, two biggest things is I'm, I'm authentic to myself. You know, when it comes time to coach, like I have energy You know, I've told TJ who's, you know, a part-time assistant now with us. I've told interns, like I really don't train or, don't program a lot of really complex stuff, but I coach with energy, right? It's not fake energy where I'm doing chin-ups and like pumping out iron with them, but it's like, no, like the bar has to move faster. Every rep, every set, you know, whatever it may be, it's basic stuff, driving home, floating around the room, you know, making sure like, boom, little cues, make sure you spread your feet, whatever it is. If it's a squat day, squeeze the bar harder, you know, on a bench press day, whatever it is, like even coaching up stuff as little as doing a chest supported row. Yeah, we, you know, kids that have been in there for two years now may have done over a thousand reps. Like, I'm still going to coach them up on how to do it right if it's not right. Um, so just being authentic and really driving home that standard of, like, do more and do more better. Right? It's always like, oh, good job. Like, good job should be the standard. 
like your standard of excellence, like minimum expectation is to do a good job. Like let's make a, make it a great job. You know, like good is the enemy of great. That's been a founding thing for me. I was, as an athlete, I was never the most talented, but man, I was going to do everything better than somebody, even if they were faster, like I was going to run better or I was going to run harder or I was going to do more, you know? So that's good and bad. It's just understanding how to direct that, you know, like stack great days rather than good days and you'll go a lot further. Uh, and then after that, it's really just show results. I kind of touched on the fact that, you know, it takes a little time to see results, but, you know, luckily for us, we had a couple of kids that go to Edgewood that had also trained with us previously. And uh, one of them, you know, like, I mean, he was a great sales pitch for it. You know, we had a couple girls that were you know, one-on-ones playing at uh, Wisconsin for soccer, the other ones at Creighton and they first came in and, you know, the first, week or so it's kind of hey let's get a little feel for the weight room let's work on technique let's see how you move it's kind of a active assessment when you have tons of kids in there it's not necessarily a oh we're going to go through this 20-minute assessment one by one it's got to be okay we got to think on the fly so how can we cover as many things as we need to at once um and you know they were kind of questionable like oh we really haven't lifted a ton of weights you know we seem to be doing all this skill work in terms of learning how to box squat properly and bench press properly. And finally, uh, Mino Asano, who's at Michigan now, just told him like, Hey, listen, like you want to get strong, like keep coming. Cause Robert will get you really strong. You know? And they were there for consistently for about like three or four months. And they added 40 pounds, to their squat, they added about 10 to 20 pounds, to their bench, you know, their 10 yard time dropped by 15th of a second, you know, their verticals went up two to three inches like all that stuff is measurables that again we track over time and like that's the results you know and at that time it was a smaller group over COVID just with everything going on when the school was shut down so it was a bit more individualized because you had groups of 10 to 12 where you could get a you know a little bit more of a intimate setting and test them more similar to what the gym's like whereas now it's on a Wednesday we'll train upwards of 300 kids in three hours you know like how can you make a effective program that's scalable to benefit those group of 10 you know last year around thanksgiving when everything shut down and you can't go anywhere to now we have 300 kids in there on a wednesday how do we make it beneficial for them too you know so that's show results which is it's just um, it's really mind-blowing when you start looking at when you start looking at the numbers um just from just the summer programs. I mean, the summer program before we were there, there was like 60 kids. And last year there was like 219, right, Robert? I think we had yeah. 219 and, and plus a youth program now too, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the culture is, is definitely changed. You can see it. I mean, there's athletic success. Um, Robert. So, you know, we use the conjugate method and, you know, we're, we're very proud of that, <laughs> um, you know, because we believe it's the best method to use. Um and, you know, speaking to high school coaches, you know, I think one of the hard things is to understand how to implement it in large groups. Okay. And you do an exceptional job doing that. Like you said, you know, you're dealing with two to 300 athletes in a day. Um, you know, how, just real briefly, how do you, how do you go about doing that? Again, uh, keep it simple. Yeah. You know, basically, uh, govern my life by the KISS principle, like whether it's in life or training or anything, like, Simple is usually the best route, you know, doesn't mean easy, but it's, you know, looking for the most effective. And then on top of that, like track everything, 
how can you measure something if you're not going to track it? You know, we'll track jumps, we'll track 10 yard starts, we'll talk, track top 10 times. And then, you know, in terms of the actual lifting itself, every time we go through a max effort day, we'll track their top set. You know, so that's an easy way when it comes to in season, you know, obviously the plus side to conjugate is variation. And, you know, I've been guilty of going down the rabbit hole of like, oh man, we got to trick this up. We got to do a front squat with uh, eccentric tempo versus bands and chains, you know, to a box. And then next week it's going to be a rear foot elevated split squat, you know, with an isometric, you know, and it's like, you can make a 80 sentence or 80 word sentence of what you're doing for a single exercise in season. It's real simple. I mean, I've found say tester lifts without maxing kids out. That'll get them near that maximal weight. Um, or it's something as simple as, you know, luckily we have the access to a variety of bands to allow for overspeed eccentrics that, you know, we can repeat a three, four or a six week wave. You go through that twice. If it's a six week wave, like ideally that's beginning of the season, all the way up to a state title. You repeat that twice. Then you got a snapshot of where, where they are week one to week seven, and then where they are week six to week 12. Like right there, if you can't show growth between those two timeframes, then all right, we need to adjust programming. Yep. You know, and that, that's a super simple way of, again, it might seem like a lot to track all this stuff, but it's creating systems, right? Systems are what make people successful. You know, so it was taking the time up front to build out an Excel spreadsheet or a Google Doc that all I have to do is type everything in. You know, it takes 10, 15 minutes even to type in 300 kids uh numbers because they're all written the same way they are on the board and then boom all right let's pull out the people that i want to look at and oh man you know that our squats are going down like what's the issue there and then it just drives that conversation with a sports coach or whatever it is i mean we haven't had that issue that squats have gone down the football season i tracked everything in the fall for every fall sport and you know football we you know the concept is always oh we have to maintain in season yeah yeah why <laughs> I mean, in season i took it to coach norris at the end of the season because i showed him the year prior that very first year the tuesday morning lift that we had in season was optional and i show him all right the guys that lift sunday afternoon when they come in to watch film and then thursday is that dynamic day prior to you know prep their nervous system for a game on friday this is their gains in season like they're squat went up 20 pounds, their jumps went up about an inch, their broad jumps and their 10 yard times, you know, improved this much. The guys that came in for that optional Tuesday morning, those eight or 10 guys, this is how much more they improved. You know, just from training their nervous system. And again, that's what that max effort and dynamic effort comes back to. It's training your nervous system, but that one extra day of stimulus, you know, their average squat went up 35 pounds versus 20. Nine times out of 10, especially in youth athletics with skill being relatively the same, the stronger, more powerful athlete is going to win. Like that's facts. Um, so right away he was sold like, yeah, we're doing Tuesday mornings. And eventually as the season went on, we peeled that back because of total stress. But, you know, again, going back to the football team, their max squat in season went up about 20 pounds. Their broad jumps went up about two or three inches uh their vertical jumps went up i think four or five inches yeah average of four to five inches per athlete uh 10 yard time went down about a tenth of an inch uh their chin up max which we use for relative upper body strength you know which is another indicator i'd say of uh 
you know, general health and injury prevention, everybody's chin-ups went on average two reps. Uh, the only thing that maintained was their maximal upper body strength, which is great because the sport of football is short acceleration and pushing people. Like last thing we want is their upper pressing to go down, but for only having three days that we actually bench pressed as a team, I take a draw at 50% there. That's the only thing that maintained. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, looking at the cycles, like obviously, like I said, we didn't overfill any buckets, right? We know football, they're pushing people constantly. Why do we need to push more? You know, like they're already doing that a ton in practice. Uh, and then again, like this data just gave communication points, whether it be between myself and that head sport coach or myself and the athlete or the three of us. And, you know, we just adjust any training to the teams. Um, football and men's swimming trained relatively the same, like looking at their cycle for the week, because both of those sports for the most part were single event sports. You know, they had games on Friday night or they'd have a swim meet on Tuesday. You know, it was shifted. So where football would have their dynamic day on Thursday, right before a game, swim would have their dynamic day on Monday. But overall, like the training was relatively the same. Um, whereas hockey, they're there once a week. So we had to be really exact. Like, how are we going to get this in? They heavy squatted every day. They did chin-ups, you know, for relative strength development. And then we did some really light posterior chain work for some accessory work. Again, like how can we cover as much as we need to to make these kids the most successful and healthy and powerful when we only have 45 minutes with them a week? And then uh, – track's been a whole nother animal because that's 130 kids um so we're slowly building into that program but again they're a single event so they have a heavy day a dynamic day and then the end of the week going into the weekend is usually when we get our accessory work because again it's we have 10 racks uh we have a small room for 130 kids like the room that like it's a great room but for 130 kids plus with other sports teams piggybacking in there. I mean, there's at times where we had upwards of 160 kids in there. Like we got to be really efficient in our training. Um, and then everybody else kind of falls under the guise of uh, two days a week that we'll just split up that four day training cycle. So, you know, they'll get a max effort day and a dynamic effort day each week. And we'll just flip those. Hey, Robert, a few <laughs> things, you know, I'm in the school setting just like you are and explain how, uh, the support of the parents has really helped your program at Edgewood. Oh, it's huge. I mean, like they they invest so much time in their kids, whether it was growing up, you know, taking them to uh, T-ball or whatever it may be, you know, like whatever the sport that they're in, like taking them from a young age. I mean, your parents drive you everywhere for the most part up until you get your license. And even then, you know, they invest, time and belief in you know they're encouraging like just everything that they do you know usually gets overlooked i've talked about you know that communication loop of between athletes and sports coaches like the in reality like what the parents do that's kind of that overlooked portion of success i mean i was the same way as a kid you know it's like oh mom's like oh great job great job it's like yeah okay whatever mom you know like i think we all are we look back on it and it's just like wow that's Maybe as a young athlete, that's the biggest thing you overlook, but by no means do I do this for recognition, but at the same time, like able to make it to a game. And then you have parents coming up to you like, oh my God, just seeing the change in my daughter, you know, like 
my son's a freak now, you know, we had, uh, the, the JV men's basketball coach came up and it was after their first game. He's like the coach across the court came across. He's like, what are you feeding these kids? And he's like, seriously, he's like, what do you like? They're bigger and they're stronger. You know, it's like, so it happens when you lift weights, you know, four to five times a day for two years straight, you know, like the results speak for themselves down the road. You don't see them immediately, but you know, like, getting the chance to talk to parents from time to time and just like, you know, they're overjoyed, not necessarily for the physical changes that they see in their kids, but the confidence that kids have, you know, like you get a kid stronger and just more confident that that's really what that C is. It's not conditioning. Like anyone can run somebody into the ground, but like giving kids confidence. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that uh, parents see that change in their kids as they get stronger and, you know, then they have more success on the field and that carries over to, uh, uh, you know, the schoolwork and their social life, you know, it's like success is contagious. Hey, Robert, uh, what's, what would you say that the, the top question you get, like from parents or coaches as a strength coach, like whether it's program design or, I know everybody, everybody thinks, you know, that they understand strength and conditioning. So they're always asking questions, you know, to try and, you know, get information. What, what would you say one of the top questions you get, or maybe two questions? Um, why don't you do sports specific stuff is probably it's kind of a one, a one B why don't you do sports specific stuff? And where are the cleans? Where are the Olympic lifts? Um, so cover one at a time sports specific. I, I had to write it down just so I don't mess this up, but uh, definition <laughs> of sports specific, right? That's um, duration, velocity, and direction, right? Like duration, velocity, direction. So duration, like, time of effort in total, right? Obviously we were able to do a lot more of that over the summer. That's probably why there is a great gain in it, right? In terms of conditioning, like what is most sport? Repeat acceleration. Now, uh, especially last year, it was just me there. Didn't really have a time to work on top speed development. So how can we get our biggest bang for our buck for young athletes? Acceleration work. We would do starts at least twice a week. Um, again, most team sports, whether it's football, whether it's soccer, like Yes, both sports have to reach a top velocity, but on average, the average play is just repeated acceleration. Um, in terms of that, right, we're talking velocity. That's, that's our dynamic effort day. We can waive the intensity in terms of weight, in terms of accommodating resistance because we have access to it, but that's all about working within a set velocity. Again, most team sports, it's going to be rare, especially at a you know, youth or high school level that you're going to reach top velocity. Uh, on the regular, yes, you'll have those breakaway plays, you know, where you're going to be in a max effort sprint, you know, but outside of track, um, you're not as often going to reach top velocity. And then in terms of direction, that's why we work in multi-planar movements. You know, we'll do lateral lunges, we'll walk backwards, and we'll go forward. It's not just sagittal, it's not just up and down, you know, it's every direction. So that's built into our accessory work at the end so we can hammer out those different directions and then in terms of olympic lifting if you want to olympic lift great but realize that olympic lifting is a sport that an olympic lift is a derivative of a front squat a front squat is a derivative of a back squat right you're never gonna clean more than you can front squat and you're never gonna front squat more than you can back squat and that comes from usa weightlifting you know, the gold standard in American weightlifting. So I take them for their word. 
Uh, it's a speed strength sport, which is a velocity based thing again, which is great. Like velocity has carryover, uh, but it's also a highly skilled movement that takes time, right? The concept of mastery is about 10,000 hours. You're going to tell me that in four years, you're going to have 10,000 hours to properly teach somebody how to clean that they can get to that 85% mark of their front squat. Again, if we only hit, you know, if I only have on average between an hour to two hours with kids a week, if they're a three sport athlete and their biggest need is to get stronger, why don't we do what they are the most strongest at more often than not back squatting? Cause again, that's going to be your highest percentage. Also too. Yeah. I mean, if we want to look at some of our strongest kids, you know, we have a handful of 400 plus pound squatters. You know, that would put their front squat at about 340 pounds, and that would put their clean at, oh, I wrote down the math, 290 pounds, right? So their back squat, if their back squat's 400, they're going to clean at a maximum 290 pounds. We look at a dynamic effort day, we do nine by three uh, box squat, or even just free box or free squat, you know, and a back squat, and then we do 12 pulls. That's our average off season, that in total, if they're going at 50% equates out to just short of 8,000 pounds that they'll move in about 12 minutes. If you do that same weight in a clean, so 200 pounds, that's about 90 or 80% of your max, but you're not going to move that for 39 reps in 12 minutes. You're not, not even the best lifter in the world would do that much less if you go at a percentage base, right? If you go at 50%, you're only going to move about uh, just over 50%. I think it's like two thirds of that weight in the same amount of time. And still then uh, technique's going to break down first. Right? You know, biggest thing I see is either you catch it with your forearms, which you're just waiting for your wrist to explode out, or rather than applying force vertically, kids just want to shoot themselves under the bar. So they land in what looks like a sumo pole, which... <laughs> I don't know. I'm not big on tearing out ACLs, trying to do a garbage clean. Again, they're a great movement. If you want to go into Olympic lifting, if you want to be an Olympic lifter, great, let's work on it. But most kids want to be a great baseball player, want to be a great football player, want, you know, like want to be successful at their sport. So why don't we do what has the highest correspondence to their sport, which is getting stronger? How are they going to get stronger? do the lift that they can lift the most weight in. You know, it's just one of those, let's, let's look at the solution we're trying to create and work backwards to our starting point. Yep. So, go ahead, go ahead, Ian. Hey, Robert, uh, just one thing with that. I know some of the biggest challenges, it's, it's awesome having you on because I know you and I, we have a lot of the similarities, you know, when we're trying to run a high school weight program and, you know, we get those kids and we know if they're consistent, they're going to get results because we both have a passion to help kids get better. And, you know, that's why we do what we do, but there's always, sometimes there's a situation where sport coaches just are not as educated on the strength and conditioning. That's not their expertise. And I always say sport coaches fear what they don't know. And just like our expertise, isn't the sport itself, you know, the sport coaches, that's what, what they master in. So when we have these situations with certain sports in a high school setting, and they're not totally on board, you know, what are some things that you do to try to make that situation better? Because ultimately, this is about the kids and injury prevention and athletic performance. So not everyone's going to get along. We know that not everybody's going to continually learn and have that growth mindset as a sport coach. 
And so what are the, some of the things that you encounter? And it's probably never a perfect fit, but what are some things that's worked for you? Uh, really, it's just, yeah, and I've obviously had to adjust that because for the most part, I mean, Brian can tell you, like, I don't really care about your feelings when it comes to communicating. Like, at least that was like my original intent. It's like, I'm not saying this to hurt your feelings, right? Like, I'm telling you this is because like, it is what it is simply, right? Like it's, it's not trying to be rude in the sense, but like you have to get the point across, whether it's a kid, whether it's having a honest conversation with my wife, whether it's having an honest conversation uh, with a sports coach, but it's remembering that like, there's positive too. Like everybody wants to focus on the negative. Like I'm going to tell people when they're, they're on point, like I'm not always right. Uh, but in reality, it's trying to meet them where they're at, you know, like some people respond better to that direct approach. Like I've had to adjust it and kind of sugarcoat some things and like ease into a conversation. Like some people kind of want to be chatted up a bit before you get to the meat and potatoes of why you're there. Others want to just tell me what I need to know, you know, and that too, like having the data that I track, I mean, people have told me like, you're doing way too much at a high school level. Like you're tracking way too much. Like, again, it's, it's additional feedback. Like it's, goal for success is improving your feedback loops doesn't matter what it is but if you can improve that feedback loop hey if I gotta write down a couple extra numbers again I've built systems and make it successful yeah the first time I did it it took me an hour you know but now it's again we'll have 300 kids through there and do a max effort day yeah that's 300 numbers I got to type in guess what I got a little keypad type it in can track it can present those numbers if people are more like oh how are they looking what's the energy like you know different coaches respond to different things we have coaches that want to know you know they don't care about the numbers they just want to know like hey what was our kids energy like what was their attention to detail you know like really basic stuff like that other coaches you know like coach Norris of the football team he wants to know that he wants to know what their maxes are he wants to know what their sprint times are looking like you know he wants that raw data too to see like hey these guys are improving he doesn't just want to know like what's their focus like you know but again it goes back to a meeting people where they're at and figuring out how they best communicate like I've had to adjust my communication and how I go about talking with people you know, I'll still from time to time, just be blunt and say what needs to be said, but you know, that's how you build relationships. You know, now that we've begun to build relationships, it's been a year and a half going on two years. Like, you know, those sports coaches that I may not have always, you know, seen eye to eye with, like they understand, like, I'm not saying it to be mean. It's just that like, we're meeting in the middle, you know, they've given a little, I've given a little, and that's what it comes down to, you know, the idea that compromise both people lose like no you're meeting each other you're growing together right i think so. i think one of the best things you said and it really rings true is something that's you know i believe in and i push on our staff is you know when people say to you hey you're doing way more than everyone else is you know yeah that's why they're everyone else yeah I mean, we're trying to be great you know we want to be the best and we want to give the best to our kids and so with that robert um, give us your, get your edge advice. You, you've been, you, you know, that, you know, the deal here, you know, yeah. every, everybody gets, what's their, get your, get your, get your edge advice tip for, for our listeners that are tuned in here. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> I was struggling with this one, but, uh, really the biggest thing is, um, it's more of a challenge than advice, but understand the difference between winning and success. 
what I mean by that is, um, again, like honest winning does not come from a place of comfort. It's, it's growth. Like winning comes from growth. Um, you know, and there's fear that comes with that, but that's half the fun of it. You know, if I was going to put that into context, you know, what I mean by winning versus success, um, success in a weight room is again, these numbers that we track, right? Kids getting stronger, uh, faster, being able to jump higher. When I see a kid as winning is when I see that translate to sport, right? Like, again, I'm not a sport coach. Like I'm not here to teach kids how to shoot a basketball or throw a football or kick a soccer ball, but you know, winning for me, right. Versus success, like success again is those measurables of, Hey, kids got stronger, faster, more explosive. Winning is when, Oh man, they just bodied that person on the soccer field and knocked him over. Oh, you know, uh, the football team, you know, Jackson Trudgeon, you know, he caught that ball. He juked out two guys, stiff armed another guy. Like he left a trail of bodies as he ran 40 yards for a touchdown. Like that is winning to me because their success came in the weight room. You know, in life, it might be something more like winning is uh, getting to see my son, like learn how to walk for the first time, like making sure my wife is happy, you know, like their success is me winning. You know, it's other people's success is how I win. You know, so just determine that, you know, if you're looking at a sport specifically, like a successful season would be garnering, I don't know, like all state mention, but winning is hoisting that big gold ball as a team at the end of the year. Right. So like understanding the difference, like individual success is great, but it's got to translate to that bigger picture. That's awesome. Dino, anything for Robert? You can, All I can say is Robert, I know you're going to come visit them, so you you don't want to you don't want to get 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 the information out to everybody else. But anything else you want to you want to uh, you want to touch base with them on? Yeah, you know, I just uh, I want Edgewood listeners out there, and there'll be a bunch of them that are going to be listening to this podcast. To understand that that they got something really special, Robert, with you, your your passion to help kids, and obviously your data proves that what you're doing is working, and you know, building that culture it changes the school. You know, a good strength and conditioning program doesn't only change the individuals that partake in it, but it changes all sports. It changes the school. It changes the community. And it's just awesome having you on. Continue to do what you do because people, athletes, student athletes are winning in that district. And you're a big part of that, Robert. So we appreciate you being on the podcast. That's for sure. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Uh, express enough, Robert, how much, you know, I love having you a part of our team and, you know, I'm, I'm going to share this with the listeners. I had a, and, you know, and what I, I want to bring this up real quick before we end, because I think it's really important. I, I know it's kind of going a little long here, but you know, one of the cool things that I have with Robert since he's in the school and, you know, since we do work together, but we also understand that the ultimate goal is what's best for the athlete. And so we, we run combine preps, and some of the kids from Edgewood are coming out to do combine preps with me um, because within Robert's structure, sometimes that may be something that maybe he can't get to because like you said, he's dealing with 300 kids a day, you know, and to get that specialized in a scenario where combine training is completely different. And that's just one example. You know, there may be some other kids that want to do extra speed work or do extra things. And as a strength coach who is doing a phenomenal job, 
he is very open to the communication back and forth that him and I have. Now it's easy because we work together, but this is a message for high school coaches as well. If your kids want to do more and you know they want to have the opportunity to maybe go to a private facility and get more speed work or get on some of the things that maybe you can't touch, you should be encouraging them to do that. And I'm not trying to sell our business. I'm talking about any other place. But at the end of the day, you should be looking at what's in the best interest of the athlete and not trying to have your ego a part of what's going on. So that's one thing that I appreciate having you on board, Robert. And, you know, one of the parents that dropped one of their kids off, you know, his comment was this, you know, Robert is the MVP of our athletic department right now. Um, and, and that just goes to show the impact that you're making on not only kids' lives, but parents' lives as well because parents get to see their kids, um, you know, live out their dreams, have success. And that's all as, as a parent myself and Dean, that's all we want for our children. And Robert, you'll know that in, you know, 14, 15 years when your son gets to be in high school and, you know, whatever sports or whatever he chooses to do, um, that's all you're going to want as a father is for them to get the opportunity to do their best in whatever they choose. So we loved having you on Robert, uh, fantastic messages. Look forward to, to following the success um, at Edgewood High School with all the sports because there's there's been a lot and there's going to be even more. Uh, so that wraps it up for this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast and we will see you next time. Chop it! <laughs>